Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. It ended in 1865, and after the war, there were 650 to 850,000 fathers and sons who never came home. Uh, thousands of those that did return home were wounded, and they were maimed, and as a result, many women found themselves uh, as widows and alone. They were running farms, and they were trying to manage plantations and businesses, and countless women spent the rest of their lives nursing the permanent physical and psychological damages and wounds of their husbands and their sons. The fighting was real and the pain was real. Uh, one, one man by the name of Warner Thompson, was uh, uh, he joined the Union Army. The only dilemma was is that uh, his sons joined the Confederate Army. And so there was a, a rift. They were estranged from one another, estranged from one another, and it was brutal. And he's quoted, th this is a quote I found from him in a letter that he wrote. He said, my natural affection for my sons and the love for my country cause a struggle in my mind. It is a painful one. Can you imagine as a father squaring off against your sons in a battle to the death? The Civil War was not civil. Households were divided. Families were torn apart. Sides were chosen. The Civil War, much like the war that we read about in the first week of this in Genesis where Cain and Abel were divided as a family, it reveals to us that that first war and then the civil war reveal to us that those that are closest to us can inflict the most pain. How many of you will testify to that? How many of you have ever found that those that are the closest to you, family members, brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, uh, husbands, wives, they can cause the most pain because they are the closest to us. These wars also re, uh, show us that we don't navigate relationship very well. We have this tendency, even though we were designed for relationship, because of our failure to learn to fight fair, what we try to do is we fight uh, our way into isolation, thinking that if we're isolated, we will be inoculated and insulated from the pain. But what we really discover is that when we become isolated, we're imprisoned. We find ourselves in bondage, and we find ourselves alone. It is absolutely impossible, according to what Jesus said. It's the only time I've ever discovered uh, where he would say that something is impossible. He's the one that said nothing is impossible with God. But then he also turns right around and says it's impossible to live life without being offended or at war or in a relationship struggle. And so it's absolutely impossible to walk through life and not experience a war. Why? Because we demand our own way. Because we're selfish. Because, okay, I'm going to be real honest this morning, because we're childish, because we're self-centered, because we're hard-headed, because we're stubborn. Do I need to name any other reasons why? Those are plenty of reasons right there why we struggle in relationships. We struggle because of the sin that is in us that we were born with. We come into this world broken, and we carry that brokenness into relationships, and so we, we, we don't know how to navigate relationships, and so we've been talking about that. 
Well, this morning I, I need to say to you that since we will experience the pain of war, it is also then necessary, if, it is, if, if it's inevitable that there's going to be a fight, if I, I just need to tell you how I, how I am. If I'm going into a fight, I want to go into a fight armed. Anybody else? Uh, you think you're man enough, woman enough. You don't need to be armed. Not in this day and age. I'm going to tell you, you need to be armed. I, I want to be packing something if I'm going into a fight. I, I don't want to show up at a fight and, 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 and I pull out a knife and the guy look at me and go, boy, what, this isn't a knife fight. This is a gun fight. I want, I want to be armed. Amen. I want, to be, I want to have a weapon. Well, in the spiritual, we need to have a weapon as well. And one of the greatest and I believe the most important essential weapons that we must possess is also a weapon that I would submit to you this morning is the least utilized, it's the least understood, and it is the least developed at this point in our history that I've ever seen in my life. We need this weapon, but we don't know how to utilize this weapon. We need this weapon, but we don't know how to develop this weapon. We need this weapon, but we don't, we, we don't know how to sharpen it, and we don't understand it. This weapon is so crucial because it actually assists us in knowing what is a war and what isn't a war. Because some of us just like to fight. And so have you all ever met one of those people that will fight at the drop of a hat? You remember that old statement? I mean, it doesn't take anything to set them off, right? So they're always at war. But this weapon helps us to know what is a weapon or what is a war and what's not a war. Because what I see is I see so many people who don't have this weapon and they react and they go on the attack unnecessarily. It, it allows us to recognize this weapon is so essential because it allows us to recognize and differentiate between foe and friend. How many of you have ever experienced friendly fire? It's that, that's one of the worst pains in life when somebody you thought was your friend and, and they thought you were saying or doing something you weren't actually doing and they go on the attack and they wound you uh, even though they were your, okay, y'all are quiet this morning. I'm already preaching. I'm just in the introduction. If you've ever in, felt that impact, then you know that this weapon is essential. This weapon, when used correctly, helps us have fewer wars. How many of you want fewer wars? I, I don't want to live my whole life in turmoil, at war, in a fight. I mean, I want fewer wars. This weapon will help us do that. So here it is. Here it is. This is the weapon we don't know about very well. This is the weapon we don't hone. This is the weapon we don't utilize. Are you ready? It's called the weapon of discernment. I can't get no help in a Pentecostal house. And in a Pentecostal house, most people know what discernment is. At least we've heard about it. Uh, but we just don't know how to use it. And so this morning, I'm going to try to help you and try to teach you how to use discernment to avoid wars. Here we go. Three passages, three accounts that I want you I'm, I'm going to come back to them. I'm going to, I'm going to read them, go away from them for a minute, come back to them, and show you how, how it applies to what we're talking about. John chapter 13, three accounts. In the life of Jesus, John chapter 13, beginning in verse 21, we're going to read down through verse 30. It says this, after he said these things, Jesus became visibly upset, and then he told them why. One of you is going to betray me. The disciples looked around at one another, wondering who on earth he was talking about. One of the disciples, the one that Jesus loved dearly, was reclining against him, his head on his shoulder. And Peter motioned to him to ask who Jesus might be talking about. So being the closest, he said, Master, who? And Jesus said, the one to whom I give this crust of bread after I've dipped it. Then he dipped the crust and he gave it to Judas, son of Simon the Iscariot. And as soon as the bread was in his hand, Satan entered him. 
What you must do, said Jesus, do. Do it and get it over with. No one around the supper table knew why he said this to him. Some thought that since Judas was their treasurer, Jesus was telling them to buy what they needed for the feast or that he should give something to the poor. Judas, with the piece of bread, left. It was night. First account. Second account is found in Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22, beginning in verse 54 down through verse 62. Listen to what happened. Arresting Jesus, they marched him off and took him into the house of the chief priest. And Peter followed, but at a safe distance. There's a sermon right there. Too many of us try to follow Jesus from afar at a safe distance until he starts messing with us. And then we, okay, never mind. I'm meddling. I didn't. Peter followed, but at a safe distance. In the middle of the courtyard, some people had started a fire and were sitting around it trying to keep warm. And one of the serving maids sitting at the fire noticed him and then took a second look and said, This man was with him. He denied it. Woman, I don't even know him. A short time later, someone else noticed him and said, You're, the, you're one of them. But Peter denied it. Man, I am not. About an hour later, someone else spoke up really adamant. He's got to have been with him. He's got Galilean written all over him. Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And at that very moment, the last word hardly off his lips, a rooster crowed. Then Jesus, then the master turned and looked at Peter, and Peter remembered what the master had said to him. Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. He went out and cried and cried and cried. Third account. Luke chapter 23, beginning of verse 39 through verse 43. One of the criminals hanging alongside cursed him. Some Messiah you are, save yourself, save us. But the other made him shut up. Have you no fear of God? You're getting the same as him. We deserve this, but not him. He did nothing to deserve this. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you enter your kingdom. Jesus said, don't worry, I will. Today you will join me. In paradise. Discernment. Why is discernment so essential? For our sake this morning, for, for our time together, I want us to understand that you can define, one way you can define discernment is this, is that how you perceive someone determines how you will receive someone. I have told you that before. We're going to dive a little deeper this morning. How you perceive someone determines how you receive someone. Our, our day, the day that we live in, is really no different than the ones that we read about in the Bible. What I've discovered is that as I read through the Old Testament and the New Testament, what I see on display time and time again, I don't have time to uh, point you to all of them, but just a few this morning, I recognize that as you read Scripture, what you see is you see a lack of discernment on display. That's what it is. All throughout Scripture, there's this lack of discernment de development. And so what we read as we begin in the Old Testament and come to, to the New Testament, well, the other truth that we learn is this, is that lack of discernment can also equal delay and destruction. That's why discernment is so essential to have in your own life because if you don't have discernment, it will equal in your life delay and destruction. And so let me just point out a few examples of that this morning. Like, for instance, Samuel. Samuel gets word that God is finished. He's completed his work with Saul. Saul's turned his heart away from God. And so Samuel's on an assignment to go anoint David or to go anoint a king. He shows up at Jesse's house. 
and he says, man, I know you've got a bunch of sons. I need you to parade them by me. I will pour the oil over the right one. And you know the story. Seven sons walk by Samuel, and on every one of them, he wants to pour the oil on them, right? They look so much like a king. They're, they're handsome. They're strong. They're, they're, they're regal. I'm going to pour oil on them. But Jesse forgot one son. The, the issue is this. Samuel wasn't armed with discernment like he should have been. He wanted to uh, anoint the king based on what he saw. And you remember what God said about this whole situation. God said, hey, a man looks on the outside, but God looks at the heart, right? We're going to come back to the heart in a minute. So Samuel almost messes up. Lack of discernment almost caused Samuel to appoint the wrong person as king. Not only Samuel, but what about Jesse? Jesse didn't discern his own children. He brings them all by and he leaves David out keeping the sheep. He didn't understand. He didn't discern what David was. He discerned that in his own ability, he, he had this lack of discernment. So he thought that David was the runt and that he was forgotten and that he was only capable of menial jobs, that he was unworthy, he was unwanted. Now here's the issue. Stick with me right here. Clue in right here. This is true for us right here. Listen to me. Samuel borrowed Jesse's perception, and it almost cost him. That was, that's a tweet, right? Uh, you, this is, I'm trying to help you right now. Uh, how many of us borrow someone else's perception to our own demise? They say things like this to us about particular people. You can't trust them. You, you, you can't spend any time around them. You shouldn't, you shouldn't work with them. And the, the issue is that we are so lazy when it comes to discernment. And we're so unarmed with discernment that we borrow people's perception of other people. I'm preaching right now. You, the, the real problem is, is that by borrowing someone else's perception, you remember last week we talked about sharing an offense. Our issue is that by borrowing someone else's perception, we may miss our king. That was good. I don't care if you amen me or not. Some of you keep borrowing people's perception around you of other people in this room, and God has appointed them as a king in your life, and you won't have nothing to do with them because you borrowed somebody else's perception. Joseph's brothers are another example. Joseph's brothers perceived him as a problem when he was actually their provision. Potiphar's wife sees Joseph, Joseph as a conquest when he was a savior of the nation. Even Jesus experienced this in the New Testament. Do you remember this was said about Jesus? He came to his own, but his own received him not. Why? They didn't perceive him correctly, so they couldn't receive him correctly. Um, okay. His own cousin. John had started out with the right perception of who Jesus was, but because Jesus didn't do what John wanted him to do and come and visit me in prison, then I become offended at him, and now I, I don't receive you properly. It's all based upon your ability to discern. Okay? Now what we see in the New Testament is that not only can discernment lead to delay and destruction, discernment is also important because proper discernment can lead to a blessing. Are y'all with me this morning? Are, are, you, are you just quiet because you're listening? Okay. Uh, 
Jesus is in this situation where he asks his disciples, who do men say that I am? And his disciples begin to list all the different people that men say that he is. Then he looks at them and says, listen, I want to know about your discernment level. Who do you say that I am? And Peter stands up and says, listen, I discern that you're not natural born. You're from the from God alone, you're, you're the son of the living God. And you remember what Jesus says? He says, blessed are you, Peter, based upon your level of discernment. Because you properly discerned who I am, therefore I bless you. It is essential that you are de- de- developing and honing and utilizing the weapon of discernment. Because if you use that, it will cause you to walk into blessing. If you don't, it will cause you to walk into delay and destruction. Okay. So, 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 they also teach us this, these, these different situations throughout the Bible. They teach us that lack of discernment also equals lack of proper assignment. The reason that you so desperately need to be able to discern properly is that if you don't discern correctly, then you cannot assign correctly. Samuel wasn't assigning a king's anointing to David. Joseph's family didn't discern, so they assigned him as annoying rather than as their answer. Potiphar's wife didn't discern that Joseph was who he was, and because she perceived him improperly, she did more than just uh, risk her life to satisfy her own needs. She risked the lives of her children and her entire nation. Because she didn't discern properly, she couldn't assign properly. Well, some of you, due to lack of discernment, are in a constant state of war because you are assigning lifetime expectations and hopes to seasonal people. I'm going to say that again. That's good stuff right there. Some of you are at a constant state of war and chaos, and your life is falling apart, and you're always broke, and you're always busted, and you're always disgusted, simply because you don't, you don't discern people correctly, therefore you don't assign them correctly, and you're, assign, you're assigning lifetime hopes and lifetime expectations on seasonal people. They're only there for a season, but you keep trying to hold on so that they'll be involved in the rest of your life. And if they're involved in the rest of your life since they were seasonal, they will bring destruction to you. I'm preaching right now. Some of you are assigning seasonal expectations to lifetime folks. And therefore, because they're, you think they're seasonal, but God has placed them in your life for the long haul, you will get rid of them and bring destruction and vacancy and void into your life. I am preaching this thing and y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. But I just know that some of you are struggling in your life because you don't properly assign people because you don't properly discern people. Since lack of discernment leads to defeat, discernment leads to defeat and proper discernment can lead to victory. I want us to consider the three passages that are read to you so that we can learn to correctly assign and therefore avoid wars. These three accounts that are read to you, that Jesus, these, Jesus walks through these three different accounts, these encounters, it is literally like discernment boot camp. He's teaching us how to discern correctly. I'll, 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 let's, let's see if I can help you. Jesus teaches us 
These are the keys to discernment. I'm going to give you the keys. To how do you figure people out? How do you know if they're seasonal? How do you know if they're lifetime? How do you know whether you should go to war or not? How do you know whether you should fight? How do you know whether you should dismiss? How do you know whether you should continue in a relationship? You want me to help you this morning? Jesus helped us right here. He gives us the two keys to discernment. The number one key is this. You've got to learn somebody's heart. You've got to discover and discern and learn people's hearts. In these two accounts that I read to you of betrayal, we always seem in the Christian world, we always want to focus on Judas as a betrayer. And he was, wasn't he? Nobody, you notice nobody's naming their kids Judas lately? That's not like the top five names in America last year for little boys. Nobody's naming their, I've never met a Judas. I've met some, but they weren't named Judas, but that's a whole other story. Right? We always want to focus on Judas. He was a betrayer. He was a betrayer. He's, a, he's the scum of the earth betrayer. But the second account I read to you also reveals that not only was Judas a betrayer, Peter was a betrayer as well. In fact, he was just as much of a betrayer as Judas. Okay, I'm going to help you right here. There's one major difference. Please, 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 please get this. Judas had a bad heart. Peter had a bad day. Uh, okay, I, I'm going to preach to myself because you know Jesus teaches us that how you deal with relationships is this. You get rid of Judas's and you restore Peter's. Because the difference was Judas had a bad heart. And Peter just had a bad day. Oh, okay. All right. So some of you, due to lack of discernment, you're getting rid of the wrong people. You are kicking folks to the curb because they have a bad day. Listen, if you run into an individual or relationship where they just have a bad day but their heart is correct, then what you ought to do is rather than striking back and, and going to war is you ought to extend grace and you ought to try to restore that relationship because their heart is right. Yeah, they had a bad day. They said something they shouldn't have said. They did something they shouldn't have done. But their heart is right. You ought to hold on to that relationship and try to restore that relationship. But there are some individuals you run into that some of y'all trying to hang on to that they don't have a bad day issue. They have a bad heart issue. And you keep trying to hang on to them even though their heart is corrupt. Okay. We need to discern and dismiss some folks before they walk us into destruction based not on a day, based on their heart. Here's what we do. We run into people, and because we like their kisses, we keep them around. The problem is, is that if you could see their hands, they got a knife. And they will ultimately stab you in the back and betray you because their heart is corrupt. Okay, y'all, uh, we, we, we like their attention. We like their flattery. But if we would ever dig deep enough to discern their heart, we would recognize that they, they may be romantic today and they may do sweet things today, but they got a heart issue. Ultimately, their heart, will come to the surface. Oh. 
How do you know their heart? Well, let me, let me give you a couple pointers. If you're in relationship with someone, dating, engaged, working, neighbors, and they try to drive a wedge between you and the people that God has brought into your life that are lifetime assignments. Young people, if the, if the, if the guy tries to drive a wedge between you and your parents, that's a heart issue. I'm preaching right now. If, you're, if you go to work and your co-workers are trying to drive a wedge between you and other good people around you, that's a heart issue. We don't like this one. If they try to drive a wedge between you and the body of Christ, that's a heart issue. Okay, all right. To know their heart, you must dig deep. How do we discover somebody's heart? Jesus was real clear about this. He makes it so easy, but we just don't like, we just don't like how he teaches us. Because the first key is you've got to learn somebody's heart. Then Jesus shows how to discover somebody's heart. Are you ready? I don't know if you're ready. You've got to learn somebody's heart. you also got to listen to their mouth. That went over huge, okay? This is the key. How do you learn somebody's heart? You listen to their mouth. Out of the abundance of our leg. No. Out of the abundance of our brain. No. Out of the abundance of our inner ear. No. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So therefore, if I can ever get to the place where I will actually listen to what's coming out of your mouth, it is a direct revelation of what's in your heart. This is not rocket science. We simply like to ignore what we hear because we don't like what it reveals. Okay. We tend to ignore it. If we continue, listen, if it continues to come out of their mouth, it isn't a bad day issue. If it continues to come out of their mouth, it is a heart issue. Go back to the battlefield that is described in Genesis and what you discover is that Eve brings destruction on the entire race, her and Adam, because they didn't discern, even though they should have discerned by what they heard. Eve should have known. She should have known. I don't know if they'd named it yet. They should have known that they were talking to a snake. You know how? Because poison was coming out of that mouth. That's how. They should have, she should have been able to discern that, that this is a snake by what's coming out of its mouth. Our problem is, is that we continue to treat snakes like sisters and boas like brothers, and we refuse to listen to what's coming out of their mouth. I'm preaching right now. Some of y'all hearing some stuff out of somebody's mouth, and they just had, oh, it's just, 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 just like that. That's just who they are. They're a snake. Call them what they are. They're a snake. If there's poison coming out of their mouth, they're a snake, and you ought to be able to discern their heart by what you hear coming out of their mouth. We ignore the poison, and then we continue to, because of that, we don't perceive them correctly, we don't assign them correctly, and we allow them to envenomate us, and they poison us. What is coming out of their mouth? There's only two options according to Scripture. The only two things that can come out of their mouth is life or death. And if it's death, then they're snake. Well, what's, what's death? Let me give you some examples. Gossip. 
Oh, they, they just they just a busy body. No, they're a snake. They're angry. No, they got a, they got a snake issue. They're spiteful. No, critical. No, that's all death. We've got to stand up and call it what it is. If they're spewing death, then they're a snake. They're poisoning us. If we listen long enough and we listen carefully enough, then we will hear the difference between sweet nothings and hissing. Listen, Jesus uses this key to discernment. He listens to what comes out of the mouth. Third account, the thieves are in the same geographical location, but what came out of their mouths allowed Jesus to recognize that they were, in fact, miles apart when it came to their heart. He literally plays it out. His last act on earth is to show how to discern whether somebody is right or wrong, has a heart issue or just a bad day. Out of what comes out of the mouth, the unrepentant thief begins to curse Jesus, and death is coming out of his mouth, and Jesus discerns that this person is not with me. This is a snake. I'm going to kick him to the curb. But on the other side of me, there's a thief in the same geographical location, but with a different heart goes, listen, we deserve what we're getting. We weren't righteous. This man is righteous. Nothing. He's done nothing to deserve this. And out of his mouth, Jesus goes, he's got the right heart. We've got to go back to that place where we recognize what's coming out of people's mouths and recognize that their mouth lies on their heart and shows, shows their heart and applies a light to their heart so that you can go, you know what, that person doesn't just have a bad day issue, they've got a bad heart issue. Listen, I, I want to submit to you this morning that the weapon of discernment is absolutely crucial when you consider church. I want you to know that discernment is absolutely crucial in this house. Just listen. Just because they attend. I better not say that. Just because they show up every Sunday. I want you to know that discernment is crucial around here because we got to get this right. Some of you don't perceive the people here correctly. You perceive them as acquaintances, so you receive them as an acquaintance, and you assign them to a, to a surface level. You only interact with them on Sunday because you lack the dis weapon of discernment to recognize these are not seasonal people in your life. These are lifelong people that God has placed in your life to carry the burden of life with you. But because you don't perceive them correctly and you're not discerning and you're not working on discernment, what happens then is you won't let anyone in, you won't confide in them, you won't trust them, you won't lean on them, you won't lean into them. And so what then you do is you exit this place on a, on a Monday morning, you'll leave here on Sunday, and on Monday morning through the rest of the, rest of the week, you go outside this family that God's placed you in, and you confide and you confess to people who don't have the ability to handle what you're sharing. And not only that, they don't want to deal with what you're sharing. You keep giving your heart to people and they keep stomping it into the dirt because you didn't perceive correctly here. We un this is what happens. We undervalue the relationships in this place. So when we undervalue a relationship, we underestimate the relationship. And then when we underestimate the relationship, we typically undermine the relationship because we don't think it's essential. We turn to broken people for relationship advice 
rather than leaning into people who are healed. I don't want to talk to you about relationship advice if your relationships are continually in a state of chaos. I want to turn to somebody that has given their heart to Jesus and as messed up as they once were, they now are trying to model and live as an example of a healthy relationship. Listen, quit talking to people that have no idea. In In the wake of their journey, there's 62 broken hearts. Yeah, can you tell me? how I'm supposed to handle this relationship. They don't know. If they knew, they would have already done it right once. We continually turn to people for money advice that are living under closed heavens. They don't honor God with their money. They don't even even attempt to. And then we want to go to them and say, can you teach me how to use money? Yeah, they can teach you how to walk in in bondage, and they can teach you how to walk into destruction, but they can't teach you how to walk under open heavens because they're not living there. And yet we'll come into environments like this where there are people, yes, they may be struggling financially, but they're honoring God with their finances in faith. And I can tell you, you can learn from them that God is able and that God is sufficient and that he will come through. And whether I want to, whether I like to, whether I ought to, in my own mind, I recognize these people know what they're talking about because they've lived it and they're modeling it. I'm preaching. We should, see, here's, a, here's our d- dilemma. We, we, we should all want and desire better relationships. That, that is what, listen, I want you to want better relationships. The dilemma is, is that our culture teaches us that better means different. That's why if you have a Corolla, you you want different. I want a Corvette. That's why when you get a Corvette, I want different. I want a Lamborghini. Our culture has convinced us that different is better. Here's the problem with that. What if the best relationship for you is right here, right now? But because you are so unwilling to make the necessary efforts and work and lay down your comfort zone and your barriers and your guards and lean in and make sacrifices and make it, be- make it work, what if that's your best relationship? But because you want better, you think different, so you won't lock in and you hop and move and wiggle through and never. Oh, man. Listen, if you fail to discern, then you will miss what you have. So how do we discern? We check their heart. I'm looking for folks that even if they have a bad day, they might have a bad month. I ran into some of y'all, y'all had, some of y'all had a bad year. But if your heart is right, then we can do this thing. How do I know? I actually believe what I hear. You say, no, they'll never say anything. That, no, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that on a regular basis, time and time again, over and over again. If it keeps coming out, if it keeps coming out, it keeps coming out, it keeps coming out. If it looks like a snake and sounds like a snake and acts like a snake, eventually you've got to call it. It's not a chicken. It's a snake. So every time you run into them, they're sharing gossip. Every time you run into them, they're angry. Every time you run into them, they're, they're, they're critical. Every time you call it what it is and walk away because their mouth is showing you their heart. 
don't want you to fight unnecessary battles. I want us to learn how to serve. Because here's why. The enemy will send folks that look good and sound good for a season. And if you don't discern now, you will wake up when the season is over. And you will be trapped in a lifetime of pain. Man, I just did, I just did, I did six months of marriage counseling right there, pre-marriage counseling right there, free of charge. If you don't wake up now and listen carefully and develop discernment now, you will come back into this house six months later, eight months later, two years later, three years later, broken and destroyed looking for relationships that you kicked to the curb that were lifetime relationships because you chased the season of pain. I better pray because I'm going to start meddling. Will you stand with me? God, help me. Help us. Help us. Help us. Help us. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to do something a little different this morning. Father, this morning, I need your help. I I know what I'm saying is true, but I can't, I can't make this stick. I'm asking you to do what I can't do. I'm praying that the light will go on in somebody's head and in their heart, and they will recognize that they're seeing all the signs they've just been ignoring. God, I pray for those of us that have underestimated relationships that you've established in our life and we've been undermined help us to wake up and discern that you assign people to us for our own good our issues there are times we don't like those people they're annoying they get on our last nerve but if they take us vision and they take us into our promise and if they guard our call then I pray you'd help us to discern correctly because we cannot dismiss those kind of people so Father this morning I pray over this congregation there are various levels of relationships represented here some dating, some engaged, some co-workers, some married, some neighborhood, some school classmates, co-workers, all different kinds of relationships. We need to be armed with discernment. God, I would just say to you, honestly admit to you that we lack the level of discernment that we need. The enemy is an angel of light. Put on a good show. Sometimes we get caught up in the show. We forget to dig deep into a person's heart, and we fail to listen. I pray this morning that you would teach us how to discern so that we don't go to war that we shouldn't go to, and that we quit fighting people that are not really at war with us. In fact, they want what's best for us, but we think they're trying to destroy us. Help us to know who's for us, Who's against us?
who's God sent and who's a snake. Even if the snake looks good in jeans, I pray that you would discern the fruit. In Jesus' name, this is how we're going to end. I want you to all, everyone, because I'm going to be up here because I need to be up here too. I just believe that we all need a new level of discernment this morning. Would you step out and join me here? We're going to pray together as a congregation. And I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to help us as a congregation to learn how to discern. out a little bit to get everybody up here there are some of you standing up here this morning that have not discerned people in here correctly they've been speaking truth and it's made you mad so you cut them off you need to discern correctly some of y'all treating folks in here like they're seasonal God wants them in your life for the long haul. And the only way for that to happen is you got to let your guard down. You got to let your comfort zone down. You got to lean in and lean on. You understand what I'm saying this morning? If we're going to win the war, we got to have discernment. I want you to take the hand of the person next to you. We're going to do this as a body this morning. Let's pray. I want you to pray for your neighbor first. Father, we pray for the person whose hand we're holding. I ask you for a new level of discernment to come into their life. God, I pray that they would be able to distinguish between a bad day and a bad heart. God, I pray that you'd give them ears to hear. God, I pray that they would recognize that if it continues to sound like a snake, it is a snake. God, I pray that you would allow them to cut that relationship off and keep those that are speaking the truth. Even if the truth is something I don't want to hear, I pray that you would help me to discern. God, as a body, we commit to one another right now that we will discern one another correctly. We recognize that if we don't perceive one another correctly, we cannot receive one another correctly. And some of us do not receive those around us. We underestimate those around us. We just think they're acquaintances, surface level. And in your mind, Father, they are lifelong resources to us. I pray in the name of Jesus right now, we would receive them correctly. Help us to assign them correctly. God, I pray that we would not borrow someone else's perception of those around us this morning because their perception may be wrong. Help us to do our own homework with one another. And when we find somebody that is a God sin, that is God assigned, I pray that we would lean in and we would lean on and walls and barriers would come down and comfort zones would be breached and we would find ourselves in deep meaningful kingdom relationships help us God help us God God I pray for the people around me this morning that if they're struggling 
and that the enemy has positioned people, and we know that he does. He positions people to bring destruction. I pray that the scales would come off their eyes and their ears, and they would recognize their heart today before it's too late. We pray for our brothers and our sisters around us. Keep them from being destroyed. We ask you to help us in this area. Let a new level of discernment rise up in this house so that we can perceive and receive correctly and therefore assign correctly. We ask you to accomplish this in this house, in our lives, and we'll give you glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you tur- turn to your neighbor real quick and say, you got to learn to discern, and then you go back to your seat. Gotta, you better learn to discern. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.